From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News. Profiles on Practices of Top Performers, co-hosted by Dr. Kathy Greenberg, and I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. We are your leadership development coaches. Between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And today, we're very happy to have B Fields uh, talking to us about leading millennials and also millennial leaders. Let me tell you a little bit about B. B is an executive coach and president of B Fields Companies. Incorporated, and she's the founder of the Five Star Leadership Coaching and Training. We'll get her to talk a little bit about that. She specializes in leadership and team coaching for high-growth companies, nonprofit organizations, and medium-sized businesses. Fields is uh, the chief principal of the Gen Y Project and is a co-author of Edge, a leadership story, and Millennial Leaders, success stories from today's most brilliant Generation Y leaders. She has served on board directors for the University of North Carolina, the Children's Hospital, the Episcopal Day School in Southern Pines, North Carolina, and the Moore County Chamber of Commerce in North Carolina. She is also the parent of three Generation Y young adults. So from a professional side, and then we'll talk to B also about the personal side in uh, leading these Gen Y folks. And you know, Kathy and I, we want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders, and provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders. And Kathy, welcome to the call. Hi, thanks, Riley. I'm delighted to uh, welcome B Fields to be with us today. And as you know, in all of our programs, we like to talk about leaders because we know they are the heartbeat of any organization. And most leaders, we also know, tend to just, well, they underestimate just how much influence they have on others, and as a result, sometimes they and their teams can underperform. But doing just a few things differently can really improve both your performance as a leader and your organizations. And what we try to teach and help others learn in all of our shows are something about how to develop more leaders in your organization, what happy companies know about performance, emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies, as well as neuroscience and brain contributions to top performance. We always love to talk about work-life balance practices, strategies for managing yourself and your boss, and today we're going to talk about generation and gender differences. And I'm very excited to hear about this because I, too, am the mother of a Generation Y, and it's always nice to know how we can help not only those around us but those we love do better and be great leaders. Well, thanks, Kathy. And before we bring on B, we'd like to give a little bit of this evidence-based research. You know, why do we talk about leadership development so much? Well, we know leaders have anywhere from 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. A lot of times we like to talk about leaders as being the emotional thermostat for their team. And we know that because emotions are contagious. So if the leader is calm, cool, collected, so is the team. If the leader is terse, upset, and stressed, typically so is the team. And one of the keys to being a star performer, which we define as someone being in the top 10%, is emotional intelligence. As leaders move up 
the corporate ladder, more and more of their success, as much as 85% of their success, comes from the emotional intelligence domain when compared to either IQ or techno expertise. And if we can get our leaders into the top 10%, they're twice as much, twice as, uh, as much, uh, they add twice as much revenue to the organization as leaders in the 11th through the 89th percentile. And both Kathy and I and also B are coaches. And so when you add coaching to training, training helps an organization as much as 22%. But when you add coaching to it, it can get a uh, bump in the productivity up to about 88%. And we know that you can increase profit by creating coaching networks inside your company in just one day. And studies show that happiness is tied to profit by more than 93%. And Kathy is an expert in that and can talk more about that. For more uh, information about Kathy and her happiness books, uh, tools, speaking keynotes, and leadership and coaching services, her website is www.h2cleadership.com. And if you're interested in more information about me or emotional intelligence books, tools, and speaking keynotes, uh, leadership and coaching boot camps, my website is www.truenorthleadership.com. And B, we want to welcome you to the call. Thank you. It is great to be here with both of you. Well, we have a lot of questions we want to uh, ask you, B, and I want to just add a little bit to what we've already said about some of the great things you're doing, the five-star uh, leader coaching training program, you know, your book, The Edge, A Leadership Story, and the one that, that I have, The Millennial Leaders. But since 1998, B has been working with emerging leaders, those men and women who are transforming, who are transitioning from being a great manager or a business owner into being a very significant leader in their organization and communities. This transition comes with many challenges and a brand new approach to leadership coaching, one that includes a focus on rapid knowledge acquisition, the ability to handle chaos and change, innovation, technology, engaging, and a variety of cultures, and how to make quick decision-making and sharp uh, execution. Be created the five-star leadership Emerging Leaders Coaching Program. We'll get her to speak about that to support both young but also more seasoned leaders to make a shift from resistance to risk and change and to embracing risk and change by making quick, smart decisions and learning from the feedback. So, B, welcome to the call. Thank you. Again. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you came to be interested in leadership development and then maybe especially working with millennials. Well, as both of you mentioned, working with leaders is is really about providing them the tools to be the best they can be and to build effective teams and to make organizations run more smoothly. And in this day and age, that comes with a huge laundry list of, of things that need to be addressed. So about two and a half years ago, something came across my radar on the topic of Generation Y, known as the Millennials. Mm -hmm. And you would think as a parent of three Gen Ys that I would know everything there is to know about this generation, but to be honest with you, I was befuddled. Mm -hmm. I did not understand my children. I did not know or understand why they were on text message most of the day, even in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. on Facebook, multitasking, waiting until the last minute to do a research paper and so forth. It just didn't seem like it was a very healthy approach to living life. And about the same time, 
I was at a conference on the West Coast, and a gentleman heard me speak about the emerging trends in leadership, and he pulled me to the side of the break and began to speak to me about some of the dress code issues he was having in his organization. He was a CEO, and we had a pretty long conversation about this topic, and he was asking me about possibly coming into his company to do a little bit of image consulting. And I said, you know, I really don't do that. I can probably find you someone who can do that, but let me ask you a little bit more about the ages of people at play here. And that conversation really stuck with me to the point that I came back and I talked to an executive coach that lives in the middle part of the country about the conversation I'd had. And I said, you know, I'm not really sure that the the coaching industry is yet addressing this young generation, and I believe that we need to at least become curious about what they're doing. So he and I began to do some research, and we began interviewing some up-and-coming leaders of that demographic. And the next thing you know, this became a full-blown project, which is is still ongoing, known as the Gen Y Project, which really focuses on the trends of these emerging leaders and how we can best communicate with them, how we can attract them, how we can retain them, how we can lead them, how we can leverage their knowledge, and a lot of different issues. But um, I will just say along with that that we went into the project with some pretty negative assumptions. We had heard what the media was saying about Gen Y, and because we both had kids of that age, we went into the project with the typical negative stereotypes that you hear with all generations. There's always this list of negative stereotypes. And to be honest, we got about halfway through our project and said, boy, were we wrong. Hmm. Some of these assumptions are just not on target, and we just saw a completely different side of Gen Y than you hear about in the public. So we then set out on a mission to educate the public and corporate leaders about the true essence of this generation and how that generation is actually going to help change the way we work and live in a positive way. Well, it it sounds like we're going to have a very intriguing conversation today because um, one of the things that I have been focusing on uh, in the past few years is just this issue B. At one point, I managed 859 people on three continents for a very large consulting company, Mm. and we had huge issues around just the things you're talking about. But before we go there, just let me ask you a personal question, if I can. Who who are some of your greatest um, leadership uh, role models and people who influenced and shaped your thinking so that you could see that something like this profound project, Gen Y, that you're doing was important for us to learn about? Well, from history, I would have to say that Benjamin Franklin is probably one of my favorite leadership role models, and even though I never knew Benjamin Franklin, I have read a lot of his work and I've studied his process. And you, as you probably know, Benjamin Franklin was one of the first true mastermind gurus. He, he had a group known as the Junto, and with that group brought together some of the most inspiring minds of his time to take a subject and then begin discussing it and actually having an innovative process come out of that conversation. And I do use his process quite a bit. I always want to start with a question and an assumption, and then I begin to gather people together to have that really rich discussion to see where is this going to go and really allowing it to organically develop out on its own with the help of a lot of people. 
I'm also a really big fan of following the work of Queen Elizabeth because she led at a time when it was really a man's world and she learned how to navigate the political aspects of being a woman leader in a man's world. And I do believe political savvy is very important. And and so I admire the work that, of course, she did and the mark that she left on the world. In the modern day, my father is a really big role model for me. He's a man of integrity. He was an architect, so I was a very big fan of his work. He was also an artist and a leader in our community. And, and his ability to manage both the left and right side of the brain, I was very, very impressed with and, and always brought a smile to my face. My husband, Mike, is an inspiration to me. He is a political leader in North Carolina, and I have been impressed at watching how he navigates that and, and actually at a very young age was able to do that. And... um my children, my children are a really big inspiration to me. All three have a lot of guts and courage and strength and stamina. And right now, there are two generation wide leaders that I, I call constantly for leadership advice: uh, Scott Bradley and Ryan Coleman. And they are—they really have their finger on the pulse of what's going on with Web 2.0 technologies. And that's an area where I still am really in need of some growth. So I am I am really following their lead on that and and talking with them today at four o'clock. B, so, maybe you can just take a second and tell us who these individuals are, so that our listeners know. Well, we're talking about if if you speak to demographers, you demographers will usually define Generation Y or Millennials as the men and women born between 1977 and 1990. But more important, we really need to be looking at the world events that have helped shape the, the mindset and the worldview of this generation. And how about um, who Scott Bradley and the other gentlemen are? Scott Bradley and Ryan Coleman are both generation-wide business leaders who are 25 and 27, and they are both independent business owners, and they also work for companies, which is a really big trend for Gen Y to have your own business mm-hmm. and also to work for a company. And um, I just want to make sure, we also heard you say, you said that Ben Franklin used to create um, a type of facilitated forum you referenced? Uh, Junto, J-U-N-T-O. Okay. Just, and you can actually Wikipedia that and learn yeah. about it. No, that was a lot of information you shared, and I wanted to make sure we didn't miss it. <laughs> yes. Well, that's good. And I think especially Ben Franklin, I know, had a bunch of his kind of characteristics that today we're talking about some competencies. And didn't early on, didn't he have a couple of these uh, competencies that he thought were really important? Well, he did. He was he was big on collaboration and big on, of course, innovation and big on pushing the envelope and really standing up for what you believe in and was somewhat, somewhat of, a, of, a, of a radical. Well, you know what? We're going to take a quick break here at Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back, so don't go away. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and 
brand influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadylocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors, cried the second. I hope it has a bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadylocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org, she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Homeowners, real estate investors, bankers, listen up and tune in to Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight, the show that breaks it all down and gives it to you straight. Are you at risk of foreclosure? Interested in buying a foreclosed property? Mark Bull has the answers to the questions you might forget to ask. Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight broadcast live on the Voice America Business Channel, Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific. You can't afford not to tune in. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking about B-Field. One of the co-authors of the Millennial Leaders book, and B, uh, one of the things that in the, uh, I guess it's the uh, top of one of the, the chapters says millennials are the highest maintenance workforce in history, and maybe you can continue to describe, you know, who are these millennials for our listeners? I know you said it's from 1977 to 1990, and, and some of the world events that affected them, but maybe you can continue uh, with that, and maybe why are they seen as as high maintenance in the workforce? I think you do have to look honestly at the world events that occurred really between the, those birth dates. So we talked about the, the late 70s on up until the, to the year 2000 because those world events really helped shape this so-called challenge that leaders are, are facing with, with some of their Gen Ys. Gen Y was born and raised during the self-esteem movement. And they were told they could have it all and be it all from both parents and educators. They were born and raised during the digital movement, so most had a laptop and a cell phone by the time they were eight or nine. Not, I would say, I think the last stat I saw was about 98% had some sort of digital equipment by that age. Mm. 
yesterday, unfortunately, had to go through the events of September 11th and Columbine, watching wars live on television, reality television, and all that comes into play when you ask this question about them having, you know, being one of the highest maintenance generations, because they're coming into the workforce right now saying, I really want to have it all and be it all. I want a six-figure salary. I want that corner office. And if I can't have it, I'll just go back and live with mom and dad. They're also becoming well-known for job hopping. The the average length of stay at a job is about two years. Hmm. And the third thing is the constant need for ongoing feedback. Am I doing well? How am I doing? Can you give me feedback? And this is causing frustration for managers. And all I have to say is that Generation Y did not develop that mindset on their own. They got where they are by parents, educators, and the media, and this all has come together to create some of these high-maintenance issues that, that, that we're hearing about. Just a quick story. Um, having worked for Accenture, I keep in touch with a lot of my friends around the globe, uh, and I recently heard an interesting story, be, and I'd like to put this in the context of some of the biggest challenges for us um, with uh, with having millennials in our workforce, but the story goes like this: um, In our uh, offices in India, uh, we do not approach the generation we're referring to as millennials for new hires until we've actually included their parents as an invitation to come to the office and take a look around and see what we do, mm-hmm. because it, most often they're Children will not engage with us unless their parents are part of the process. What do you, what do you think about that? And are these some of the biggest challenges that we're we're just starting to face with millennials in the workforce? Well, about gosh, it was about ten years ago at this time. A lot of academic professionals began to describe the over-involved parent as as a helicopter parent that was hovering a little bit too closely over their college students' comings and goings and writing their research papers and writing essays for them and calling college admissions departments, complaining when their child did not get in. And so Gen Y has watched that. They have watched their parents intervene for them every step of the way. So when it comes to a really big decision like going to work for a national or international company, they are going to their parents for advice. And parents are getting involved not only on the college level but now in the work, in the workplace, in their career decisions. And what companies are doing now is they are compensating for that by offering parenting programs and parenting-only orientation and parenting-only websites to get the parents involved to avoid some of the issues that happen later on, meaning parents calling the HR department and complaining that their child did not get a raise or didn't get a promotion. Mm. And... So, once again, because Gen Y has been somewhat coddled and protected and coached and the parents have been stepping in to solve their problems for them, of course, when they get to the working world, they want their input because they're very unsure of their next steps. So, uh, along with that, because, like you know, and Kathy, I know in, in organizations, communication is always a key issue. So, one thing I'm hearing is, it's almost having uh, another stakeholder being the parents on the communication list, you know, for millennials of letting them know what the organization is like and how it's run and all those things. 
It is, and if you if you look at what's happening on college campuses, the the college recruitment days are as much designed for the parent now as they are for the child, and even colleges are now recruiting parents and not the children, and it it, it really was not that way until the last seven to eight years. Things are starting to move in that direction of really catering to the parents first in hopes that they will be able to recruit the child. You know, as we're talking here about these um, needs and wants of a generation of individuals that we are, in fact, hiring into our workforce today, and I know my daughter is, uh, she's uh, gainfully employed, I'm thinking, uh, B, can you help us as people who are hiring these great young people into our companies, what, what leadership traits are millennials drawn to or most looking for uh, in the individuals that they want to work with? I know most companies today say that their employees um, are loyal to a manager or a supervisor or a person who's managing individuals versus a company. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that works with millennials? Well, all I can tell you is what I'm hearing. We actually did a research study over the summer. We interviewed over 300 Generation Y careerists, and we asked them that very question of what they were looking for. And at the top of their list was honesty. Honesty was number one. And I had a lot of people say, well, isn't that what everyone wants? Well, that's true. But Generation Y is taking this to a brand-new level. It's not just honesty. It's being transparent and being authentic. And that that not only happens by your words and deeds lining up, but your actions inside the company need to really line up with your brand positioning. So it, it's getting tougher and tougher to lead because Gen Y catches you. They're so smart. And if you're not really living your mission or you're living your brand or you're living that vision as an individual, then it will trip you up and Gen Y will notice it, and they will not only speak about it very boldly, but they will blog about it, they will podcast about it, they'll do a video about it, and your company can go down overnight. So honesty is more, it's not about just telling the truth, it's about living a very authentic style as a leader. Well, we're going to ask you maybe a couple other ones, but I just wanted to kind of uh, connect the dots. Uh, We interviewed a while back uh, Jim Coos, Cousins, who wrote the Leadership Challenge, and he did uh, research from 1987 up to 2007, 29 years, I mean, uh, 20 years, and the number one characteristic was honesty, you know, over and over. His second was uh, forward look, forward-looking, and then his third was inspiring, and then competent. And I'm wondering if you can maybe tell us about maybe some of the next ones on your list, because I think one of the things I know when I've heard you speak, B, is first knowing what are the differences with the millennials, but then also kind of keep in mind what are the similarities that it's not, you know, it's not this whole different population. Right. Well, I didn't realize that was his list because that list really lines up with ours. Uh-huh. The, the top answer was honesty number two on our list that we received back was the ability to inspire. Third was integrity. Fourth was competence. And five, five was humility. Mm. So I once again I I don't know that it's too terribly different from other generations, but the reality is is that Gen Y is now making decisions through those filters. Um, baby boomers had a tendency to go to work for a company because they had strong brand equity, and if some of these things didn't line up, they wouldn't say very much. 
because they came from a generation that said, you don't speak about things that aren't lining up. And we can see now some of the side effects of baby boomers not speaking up. We're seeing what's happening to some of our larger corporations in our world economy from baby boomers not speaking up. And then Gen X came in to the workforce, and they pretty much said, we are skeptical of big organizations, and we're concerned about the way you're running things. But on the same note, we're not going to rock the boat too much because we're concerned about our job security. Now Gen Y is coming in saying, we want to know that you're lining up on these core issues, and if you're not, we will just leave your company and go to work for your competitor, or we will go start our own thing and we'll compete with you. So I really see that there is there are decisions being made through these leadership principles that are very different than we saw two decades ago. Right. When we uh, when we look at all these things, as you can see, the world is changing very quickly around us. Even those organizations that are um, very successful are, are looking at the complications that are being created by this generation. So, B, we're going to go to a quick break, and I'd love you to come back and talk a little bit about how we can best support these millennials with our leadership style. This is Leadership Development News, so come right back. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Before every word, there is a thought. Before every action, there is a thought. If everything starts with a leader, what happens when leaders around the world start to think and do things differently? I'm thinking the world will change. Evolve the leader. Evolve the company. Change the world. Join Susan Kavanaugh for Summit Speak. All Leaders Rise. Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look, these are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, then you add them up. Hey, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher, but without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. I got to deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're 
listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Bea Fields, one of the co-authors of The Millennial Leaders, and also her new book, The Edge. And um, one of the things you mentioned, B was about self-esteem, and that's one of the reasons why they're maybe relying on their parents. Any uh, sense in the organization of where this generation is with self-esteem? Or is there some less, do they have less self-esteem than some other generations? They actually do. I would highly recommend if anyone is interested in learning more about that topic, you can pick up a copy of the book Generation Me by Dr. Jean Twenge. And she discusses in the book about how this group is one of the most, there, there's a dichotomy going on. They are one of the most advanced and somewhat overly confident generations and at the same time are more anxious and depressed than any previous generation. And the, the, the sense is that Generation Y has been raised with such high doses of self-esteem where everyone at one point got a blue ribbon just for showing up. And as you get closer to college and high school and the competition starts heating up and it becomes more and more difficult to compete, and the reality starts kicking in that, hey, I may not have been able to get a blue ribbon or I'm not going to get a blue ribbon for this essay or whatever it is, that they get knocked off that pedestal. Mm. And there's a really big letdown effect, which I'm not a therapist, but as you know, when you have that big letdown effect, it can, it can cause depression. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, because the competition is so fierce, there's a lot of anxiety to perform. It's all about performance. Are you making the A? Are you getting the raise? Are you getting the high salary? Are you going to make it happen? And they they hear this and have heard this from a very, very young age. So that that performance pressure is really driving a lot of this of the situation that we're describing. When I look at um what's going on in uh, corporate America today and and where our young people see themselves, there's always this kind of disconnect between what they're capable of and what they need to experience in order to actually lead. How how do leaders engage people today for longer than 20 minutes um, in the mission they're trying to achieve in the company and get a result with millennials? I think the first thing that I always tell organizations, and I'm sure you both, know this, but very often a mission statement or the mission of the company is something very long and drawn out and boring, and it's delivered lecture lecture style, or it might be in your procedure manual. And when it comes to Generation Y, they want things to be very simple. They want a very simple mission statement, and they want to know how that fits into their life. Why is this meaningful to me? And then how can I turn around and make a meaningful contribution back to the organization? And I always talk about Walt Disney. Disney's mission is to make people happy. So in their organization, they have a philosophy. That philosophy carries with everything that they do. It doesn't matter if they're working on animation 
or they have someone cleaning a theme park or you are in an internship, your mission is to make people happy and to be happy and to contribute to overall happiness. And I'm sure that both of you know this because you talk about this with your with the happiness aspect of organizations. If Gen Y can see that they are contributing to that mission, then they're going to be much more engaged in it than if it's simply words on paper. And to me, that takes a very individual approach. Managers need to have the savvy to be able to sit down with the Gen Y and say, our mission here, if it's Disney, is to make people happy, and I really see how you can be a part of that, and here is what I see that you are contributing. And that alone can inspire a Gen Y to get really engaged. So really being able to make it individual, um, like we use that term, connect the dots, it sounds like even more so with the Gen Y, that the leader needs to connect the dots. Um, Let's go back to let's go to one of our other questions for you, B. How do leaders create the environment where top employees' uh, contributions can keep the company relevant uh, in today's world? My, my my quick answer to that is always staying two steps ahead. And people say, "Well, how in the world do you do that?" And I, what I'm seeing most often that I think is a sad sad scenario is that. Some baby boomer leaders are really not in touch with what's going on with technology and with communication mechanisms and with the, the this generation's worldview and some of their global thinking. And I think it's important for anybody that's leading today to really start studying and understanding this generation and swallowing your pride enough to say, I don't know how to use social networks, or I really don't know how to use these technological tools that you're using so adeptly, and would you be willing to sit down and show me how to use those tools? And and so I think just from the technology standpoint, we've got to get a little bit ahead, more ahead of the game than we are. And then on the other point of this is that Generation Y really thinks globally, and One of the reports that I read following September 11th said that Generation Y was definitely concerned about what happened on September 11th. From a global perspective, they were also concerned that what happened on September 11th was going to limit their ability to travel the world. Mm -hmm. Traveling the world is something that most have done by an early age. And because of the Internet, the world is much smaller. And so their perspective is global, and I think that by staying or by getting more global in our thinking, we can stay ahead of that curve. When you uh, travel the world, pardon me, uh, when you travel the world, as uh, I frequently do, it's interesting. Uh, You could be in any country, in any airport, and the kids look the same. They're wearing the same clothes with the same hairstyles, uh, with the same uh, iPod stuck in their ears, uh, the same cell phones. And it is interesting that they look at things a lot more globally than we do. When you you look at these um, Generation Y careerists of the 21st century, um, and you you look at their um, their restlessness and, and their boredom level in the workplace today. Uh, how how can we how can we help create environments where they can create their own contributions um, to making the companies that they work with more globally relevant? 
Ask that last part again one more time, because I was listening to the first part. Ask me the last part again. How do we take what they know best in terms of their ability to be global and actually create a relevant a relevant uh, way of being in today's companies to help them become truly global. You're talking about having Gen Y help older leaders become more global and more relevant. Well, in in yes, in response to the things that they're good at so that they don't get bored and restless in the workplace. Well, I think that's a really good question, and I hear that quite a bit. And um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what Intuit is doing one of the general managers managers for Intuit is actually one of the co-authors on the book Millennial Leaders, and they have a very strong Gen Y retention rate. It's about 98%, which is very unusual. And the thing that they have going for them is a rotational development program that actually gets Generation Y to rotate throughout multiple roles in the company. They get to do just about everything over an 18-month period. They also have a philosophy or a mantra called learn, teach, learn. So Generation Y will learn something. They then are challenged to go back and teach senior leaders what they learned. And then from the teachings, they go back into the learning process. And for, for senior leaders to sit back and let Gen Y teach, I think is the first, the first step is for those senior leaders to sit back and say, teach me what you know, allow me to become adept at at what you know. And so I think that from Gen Y, the skills that are so natural that they take for granted are opportunities for for us as senior leaders to grow, such as technological savvy, uh, their, their knowledge of diversity, their knowledge of different cultures, to be able to bring back their open, their openness, their... They're, they're very attuned to public policy. They're starting to get much more into public policy and into civic-minded activities. So I think that we have quite a bit that we can receive back just by being in that learn, teach, learn mode. So we're going to go to a, um, our, our last break. But when we come back, maybe again from the looking at the mind of a millennial or Gen X, you know, what can they do to make a, a contribution to their company? Typically, when their boss acts like their opinion doesn't count. So we'll come back to that with B Field. This is Leadership Development News. We'll be right back. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066.
Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rockabye baby by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion, make sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science. But it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler of Dr. Kathy Greenberg uh, also and on the line, and we're talking with B Fields around the Generation Y. So Generation Y, folks you mentioned, may have a boss um, that may not know about their contributions, but what if their boss doesn't act like their opinion counts? What could some, a Gen Y person do? I, I think the first thing to know is that I've had this question asked to me a few times, and I always want to know from that Gen Y what stories they are telling themselves, hmm. because 90%, about 90% of what we believe are stories that we tell tell ourselves. And when I hear a Gen Y say, well, my manager doesn't really care about my opinion, I want to know, is that a, a fact or is that a story that you're telling? And not every senior leader out there has this same blurred vision about wanting Gen Y's input. And I tell the Gen Y's that I talk to when I hear this that I believe, if, if that is your perception, then I believe it's time to get into a risk-taking mode where you sit down and have a conversation with your manager. And the conversation can be over lunch, somewhere maybe away from the company where you're simply talking about career and development and asking your manager for some advice and asking your manager a little bit about their process when they were of the same age. And very often simply having a conversation will open up those lines of communication where the perception can be shifted. And I have found that when Gen Ys do that, they see a very different side of their managers. I do think that right now when I'm, what I'm sensing and, and hearing with my clients is that a lot of baby boomers have a big chip on their shoulder and Gen Y has a chip on their shoulder. And I think that we need to chisel down that, that, down that chip 
by starting to have starting starting to open up those conversations about what are your values and what where were you at this age and what were your dreams and what can I learn from you and so forth and that takes a lot of risk it requires courage and risk taking on the part of that Gen Y. That's also great because for the boomer, then it gets them in touch with when they were that age, and then everybody likes to be able to talk about themselves and their struggles, and then it kind of quickly moves them into a mentor role, which is probably exactly what the the Gen Y person would want or need. Then it does, and we we are all most careerists will tell you they had grand aspirations and they had starry eyes when they were in their twenties and they wanted to take on the world. And I think that sometimes we've gotten into our own thing and our own rut to the point that we forget or we have forgotten what it was like to be that age and to be so excited about being out in the world and making a change or making things change in the world. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, you know, I think we'd all agree that that's what we try to instill in all generations and for us as boomers to take the opinion that we're going to do something different with this generation might be a little uh, a little bit of uh, blinders on us. So, B, as, as an executive coach, um, how, how would you coach differently um, between a millennial or a Generation Y or a Generation X or a boomer? What, what, what would you do differently? Well, with baby boomers, I'm always looking at, let's talk about the future and let's talk about where you're going in the the latter part of your lives. And we're talking legacy and we're talking strategy and we're talking much more future. And those coaching conversations for me are sometimes 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes even longer than an hour. And it's not uncommon for a boomer to bring a third party into the conversation where we're brainstorming on how that boomer can mentor or coach a younger career worker. And so I'm really focusing my coaching with boomers on how can you be a great coach. And through the modeling, we get there. With Gen Xers, Gen Xs are a little bit on the skeptical, cynical side, so I I do quite a bit with Gen X on building trust, and I will very often when I hear that cynicism or skepticism come out, I'll repeat back and I'll say something to the effect of, I heard you say here at this old school network, we do X, Y, Z. Can you tell me what you mean by that? And after certain periods of time that that Gen X will realize, you know, I'm being a little bit cynical. If they don't get it, then I'll bring it up. We'll, we'll talk about that. And I also have to realize and understand that Gen X came into adulthood during the dot-com boom and then went through the dot-com bust, so technology and work-life balance and um, job security are really important to them, and so we do focus on that. When it comes to Gen Y, I'm really big on using that coaching conversation to help them relive an experience. Gen Y is that experience culture. They're that experience generation. And so we'll be talking about something and I'll say, can you describe for me an experience that you had around that situation? They'll describe the experience. And then I'll say, okay, I'm going to switch and I'm going to live that experience on the call with you. I'm going to talk through that experience and I want you to coach me. And they'll be coaching and they'll go, wow, that was so cool because they got into the experience with you. And that's, that is where I think Gen Y is going to be living and coaching 
they're also, most Gen Ys will tell you that they all live with some form of ADD. Mm. And that's because of all the different pieces of technology they have their hands on at one time. So I just have not been very successful with these long coaching sessions. About 10 minutes is about all they can take, and they want to go off and they want to apply whatever they learned right then, and they want to come back two days later and have another conversation. So more frequent coaching, smaller, condensed, and much more experiential. And then on the field work, giving them an experience. Okay, I want you to go live this experience. I want you to come back and tell me what you did living the experience. So this is very fascinating hearing the differences of that. Any um, insight from the Gen X to the Gen Y? Um, Any perceptions that the Gen X is having about the Gen Y or in so many organizations that uh, the Gen X may be managing the Gen Y? Well, interestingly enough, Gen X seems to be having more challenges with Gen Y than even baby boomers. And Gen Y's perspective is, why are they getting the great jobs over me? And why is it because they're so verbal? That squeaky wheel seems to be getting the grease. And what about me? What about me? And when I'm working with Gen X, I really do what I can to have them shift into being that mentor for Gen Y because Gen Y is very coachable. They've been coached a lot. They've been coached since they were three and four by athletic coaches, by parents. Some do have private mentors. Some have coaches at an early age. I hired a coach for my daughter when she was 16, and so they really understand how coaching works. And if you can work with a Gen X on, hey, listen, let's get you into a mentor or coaching role in this situation, then it's almost like that older sibling, younger younger sibling thing going on where the older sibling gets positioned as the wise, astute bearer of great news, and Gen Y can learn from the Gen X. But there is a lot of competition, and I really I liken it to sibling rivalry. They're so close in age, but they're so different. Their their generational perspectives are very different. Well, it has been um, a pretty amazing conversation here, and uh, I want to thank you for uh, joining us and helping us understand more about this amazing and very very talented generation coming up quickly behind us. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me. And if, if you can just say, if people want to get more information about your blog, because I know we just feel like we touched the scratch the surface here. How can people get more information about you and, and the work you're doing? Well, I think the best thing is you said to go to our blog. If you just t- if you just go to a browser and type in learnaboutgeny.com, learnaboutgeny.com, you will get the Millennial Leaders blog. And we have all sorts of podcasts and video and, and articles that, that you we feel like we stay on top of the situation as much as we can. And I would start there to start learning about the generation. Great. Well, thank you very much. This has been great. And uh, talking with B-Fields here, this is Leadership Development News signing off for today. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.